and welcome back, folks, to Make Mine Multiversity, a Marvel podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gregory, joined today by Jessica Macho and Nick Palmieri. How are y'all doing? Doing good. Doing well. All right. All right. If y'all are coming to us today from, uh, from, from iTunes, from Apple Podcasts, uh, please subscribe. Do all that fun shit. I don't... Yeah, do it. Um, if you're coming to us from multiversitycomics.com, uh, we appreciate checking out some of the other fun articles and things on that site. There's another podcast that's been happening the entire month of April called Marveling at the Movies, where one of the uh, former editors on the site, Matthew Melikov, and some of his friends are taking one of their other friends through the Marvel Cinematic Universe for the first time in preparation for Infinity War. So check that out. Um, and yeah, so we're a podcast dedicated to all things Marvel, Marvel Comics, Marvel Movies, former Marvel, current Marvel, future Marvel, whatever. Um, we're su- theoretically a twice monthly podcast, but I guess we're double shipping like Marvel does this month and trying to go for the 18 issues a year sort of thing. Uh, missed out the first part of April. I was at C2E2, had a lot of work to catch up on when I got back, but uh, but we're back. We're going to talk a little bit about C2E2, talk about uh, the ton of news that we've missed over the course of the last month. In the second part of the episode, we'll check out uh, the Hunt for Wolverine number one that's out this week from Charles Soule, David Marquez, and Paolo Sicari. Sicari, uh, that one. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So... I had the opportunity to go to uh, to to C two two to the Chicago Comic Entertainment Expo uh, back at the beginning of, of April. Got to sit in on a lot of the uh, Marvel panels and such things. Got to sit on on the fun Marvel like VIP panel. Do either of y'all have the like weird Marvel credit card thing that they? No. <laughs> like no. Yeah, with the the one that comes with like the VIP Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, that one. Um, like, because they, I guess they have they have panels at these like the big cons that are just for people who have the fancy credit card or the unlimited plus, which I, I guess, didn't realize until I got in there. But I got into the panel on on our on Multiversity's good name alone, so that was fun. Um, saw saw a clip from from Cloak and Dagger, which is coming out in the summer. It actually looked not horrible. Nice. <laughs> That's good for a free form. Nice. I mean, I liked I liked Runaways, so I'm kind of hoping it's like teen angsty drama in that same way that Runaways was, because I liked Runaways a lot. Yeah, it kind of feels very much like the sort of like uh, I'm sure what that's like. It's it felt it felt like very much a I was going to say ABC Family. That's not the network anymore. Like Freeform, the sort of like weird angsty teen drama stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of like the CW shows. Yeah, a little bit like, but like more drama. I guess like all the, Even I guess like I, I'm thinking like the Arrowverse shows are not like, they're more super heroic um, with like drama on the side. This was like teenage angsty drama with we have powers. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. But it was a cool clip. Um, yeah. Saw, saw that, that panel. So, so throughout the whole weekend went to um, all the panels that like the Marvel put on. Uh, and they talked uh, a lot about their their fresh start stuff, which we've covered sort of extensively in the last few episodes of the podcast. Um, talked a lot about the big push was about uh, the Avengers relaunch, the Avengers number one from from Jason Aaron and Ed McGinnis, which actually comes out next week, believe it or not, on May second. Wow! Yeah, um, oh, I didn't realize that. 
yeah we're already we're already in may folks or i guess may 1st may 1st is the yeah that's right no, but I mean, that, that sort of signals the beginning of the fresh start. I didn't realize we were at that point already. Yeah, yeah. That was the, that was, we'll get into, probably get into this a little bit at the, in the second part of the episode. But yeah, like the Mighty Thor ends this week. Doctor Strange Damnation ends this week. Um, and what was the other one? The No Surrender ends this week, the end of April. Uh, and there's some, I guess there's some other things like many little mini events that have, that have already sort of ended. Um, and yeah, like Avengers is out this next month and, and Venom and Black Panther, I think are all cause, oh yeah, the, the legacy Black Panther or whatever ended, I think last week. Um, so yeah, we're already, we're already at that point. And then, you know, June's right around the corner. Uh, so yeah, they pushed a lot of the Avengers stuff. They pushed the, like the Ant-Man and the Wasp mini that Mark Wade and Javier Guerin are doing. There was a lot Garon, probably not Gan. He's from Spain. Um, I saw a lot of art from that. They pushed the Thor stuff that Jason Aaron and Mike Del Mundo are are doing with the relaunched Thor with Odinson in the lead, and they pushed like the the Wolverine minis quite a bit. Um, and Doc and the the Doctor Strange book with Mark Wade. I saw some some sick uh, Jesus Saiz art that's coming soon. Um, which Nick, you 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 like. Jesus Saiz a lot, so I'd, it's like all the stuff that he's done for Marvel. This is that looked the best. Awesome, yeah, yeah. I, I really, I like his style a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was I was really sort of I guess intrigued because I thought that a lot of the the con would be Marvel fleshing out uh, the Fantastic Four relaunch some, uh, and we'll get into this with some of the other news things that were announced. They, you know, they had this, this handful of teaser sort of minis that they announced, like Infinity Wars and Extermination and Death of the Inhumans. That would get more details about that. And they didn't really talk about any of those things. And it kind of got me to thinking they were pushing hardcore, like the fresh start stuff. A lot of the, a lot of that, a lot of these sort of like side projects that are that are sort of wrapping up, like that's like the end of legacy. Like it feels like sort of the end of an era and like Marvel's, kind of putting all the toys back in the box to start over again. So it was really, it was really interesting. It was sort of an interesting, um, interesting experience. Cool. Yeah. I don't know. Do y'all have any, it's just interesting to hear, uh, specifically the stuff they were pushing. Like it makes sense that they would be pushing, uh, like the Ant-Man and the Wasp stuff and the Wolverine stuff. But, um, Mm -hmm. there was one, Oh, the Dr. Strange, is interesting because they haven't, I guess with damnation, they've been trying to push Dr. Strange more, but otherwise there is no real reason other than like people are rumoring that he's going to have a big part in the infinity war movie. Yeah. Um, when I just, I think it's really interesting too, still that the Donny Cates run on that book is ending because it was like the high, one of the high points of legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, well, leg- legacy is over, <laughs> and I guess, and yeah, and like legacy, <laughs> legacy is truly over. Uh, the death knell, the, the the bell, the toll, the whatever has has rung, and death is on the way. Anyway, um, I can't wait for legacy rebirth. Uh, that's a kick ass name, legacy, <laughs> legacy, legacy, legacy two um, legacy, <laughs> legacy, legacy now, legacy all new, all different, legacy. Um, anyway, I'd be um, laughing harder if it wasn't true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, 
anyway, I just thought it was, it was sort of, that was sort of my, my, um, my takeaway was that there was a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that it felt like Marvel was really excited about. It was all the fresh start stuff. Sobolski was there. Um, he was on a bunch of panels, moderated a bunch of panels. Um, and like, I still have a lot of feelings about all the Akira Yoshida things, but that guy I think is very charismatic um, and definitely knows what he's talking about. And like he talked, like he has a lot of love and a lot of uh, hope and a lot of just sort of um, optimism and like compassion. It's like he's super passionate about what Marvel's doing and what they're kind of doing going forward. Uh, and I think that in and of itself gave me a lot of, gave me a lot of hope for, for fresh start to be the thing that legacy was supposed to be. Yeah, and on the whole Akira Yoshida thing, I feel like for all the creators, like just to not even care about it, to uh, even the ones who you you feel like would care about it, I feel like that's sort of a sign that he has like that sort of direction that you're saying that he can inspire people like to really try and make good stuff and sort of ignore. Not ignore that, but like, okay, we had we, like we understand you messed up. You understand we're good. Let's move forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was there was definitely, I guess, a lot because I don't know that they lost really any creators over over that. Like the I think the the comic book writers and artists that were more um, vocal about their frustrations about that were persons that didn't work at Marvel. So I'm sure there was some kind of like in house come to Jesus moment that they all had, and now everything's sort of cool. Come to Akira. Um, come to Akira. Yeah. Um, worship at the altar. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, those are my thoughts. We'll probably, there'll probably be some more of that interspersed throughout the rest of this episode, but overall first big con that I went to talk to a lot of DC people. Um, Cause I did some interviews about DC stuff for the site um, and did some other interview talk, got to talk to, I don't know if y'all, watch like my brother, my brother, or listen to my brother, my brother and me, like the podcast and like some of those other podcasts and stuff. Um, got to talk to like the, one of the, one of the brothers, one of the McElroy's cause they have a graphic novel coming out from first second. That interview went up, is up at the time of, of us recording this. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Um, but anyway, we're not also talking about myself. We're talking about Marvel comics. So, uh, so yeah, so the biggest news that's come out in the last month um, that we haven't covered here at Make My Multiversity is the news that the Fantastic Four are coming back. Hooray! Um, so Fantastic Four will be relaunched in August to be written by Dan Slott, uh, main artist for some period of time, will be Sarah Pichelli. Um they also announced that Marvel 2-in-1, the Chip Zdarsky um, thing in Human Torch book, uh, will continue alongside of Fantastic Four, which is good because that book has been really good. Um, but what are your first reactions or first thoughts about Slot and Kelly taking over the Fantastic Four? So, Jess, we'll start with you. Um, I think it's it's interesting. I mean, I'm not a huge Dan Slot fan, but... Um... I think he's a pretty good choice for a book like this. I think he's going to have a really good handle on what needs to be done with those characters. Um, I just hope that he can avoid kind of being derivative of other stuff. um, Because as much as I've read hype and praise for Silver Surfer, it was still very Doctor Who. Um, Right, right. And... 
his Spider-Man run at times was very much like, well, what if I take this thing that happened back then and then do something different, do something that's supposed to be different, but really doesn't make sense with it. Um, So I just hope that he can come in and do something original and cool, but still honoring like the real fun, like, uh, exploration side of the Fantastic Four. Um, I think Pacelli is an amazing artist. So, like, I'm so here for her getting this book. Like, I think she's going to do an amazing job. Yeah. Yeah. The first thing that I thought when I heard this news was like, oh, this is going to be just like Silver Surfer. Oh, this is going to be like Doctor Who Redux again. Um, so, I, I think I had some of those, some of those similar, similar thoughts. Uh, Nick, what do you think about? Slot Kelly. Um, so quick note about me and the Fantastic Four first. Um, I wooed before, but I had no reason to woo because the Fantastic Four mean almost nothing to me. Um, <laughs> I, I read I read the uh, first half of the Hickman run like a week or two ago. Uh, other than that, I only really know them through the movies with like Chris Evans and Jessica Alba. So I, I really don't have much like invested in the characters. However, I do know enough about them, um, and I, I, I think Dan Slott and Pacelli will be a good, a good match. Um, Dan Slott, I mainly have read uh, his uh, She-Hulk, the original 12 issues that he did there, and he has a really good grasp on like continuity and character and how to just how to tell really nice self-contained stories and how to make them build into something bigger. So I think he's, he's a very good writer. Uh, and I'm sure that he could do well with, um, I guess in a similar way that Jonathan Hickman did, uh, where he had a sort of single issue, uh, just the exploration stuff that Jess mentioned and, uh, can sort of tie that all up together into a bigger thing. Um, he's also worked on, uh, a lot of, Fantastic Four characters in the past, just not in the actual Fantastic Four book. So I'm sure he'll be a good match. Um, and then Sarah Pacelli, I know through uh, her work on Ultimate Spider-Man. And I mean, that book was great. So I really, I don't have much to say there other than she does very good with, well, I know that she does very well with street level stuff and more like human drama stuff, which I know that Fantastic Four like sort of does well when they're revolving around that. Um, I'm not sure how she'll handle the uh, more cosmic stuff, but I'm sure I'm sure she's up to it. Yeah, I guess that's a that's a really good point that that Pichelli at Marvel has only kind of done these like street level characters. Um, has, has done a lot of work with you know with uh, with Miles Morales and with Bendis, so it will be sort of interesting to see her uh, tackle the more cosmic stuff and the more like trippy sci-fi spacey things um but you're right i think she's a fantastic artist um and and all of her all of her mild stuff is really really cool um yeah i think i think if this announcement had come before uh pickle rick black mirror tony stark i would have been like super on board with this being the thing that slot was gonna do right after spider-man um i just think like and I'm and I'm way more excited for this than I am for his uh, for his Iron Man run. Uh, and I'm kind of with you, Nick. Like I haven't really read a lot of Fantastic Four comics. I've read a lot of comics that have had the Fantastic Four in them, but I have not really read 
books about the Fantastic Four, and that's something that I need to rectify uh, this summer and you know and 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 going forward. Um, like that's on my like to do list of Marvel Unlimited things that I want to get through. Like I want to get through Hickman's run and and Robinson's run right before like right before this, and then kind of work my way backwards from there. Um, but I think I think overall, the, a lot of the people that are clamoring for the Fantastic Four to, to be back um, are probably like you and I. Uh, I don't know that they've. I mean, I'm sure some of them have read like some Fantastic Four books, but I think like the idea of what the Fantastic Four means to Marvel is bigger than like the book. Like the Fantastic Four are Marvel, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, I recently uh, found this website that tries to argue that the first 300 issues of the Fantastic Four, or rather the first 30 years, is uh, the great American novel. <laughs> it is a oh. fascinating website, and I recommend everybody check it out. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what is the <laughs> I website? Need, I need the link. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll send it to you guys after. Oh my god. That's um, that's a take. That's a that's a take. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the a lot of its points revolved around the fact that the characters actually like grow and change in real time, um, and I think that's like what I was trying to get at before when I was saying uh, how people think the Fantastic Four is at their best when they focus on the family mm-hmm. aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that tied into something that you were just saying. There was a reason I brought it up. Forget what it was. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. So people see the Fantastic Four as sort of the core. And, you know, like for those first hundred issues, that was Stanley and Jack Kirby creating the Marvel Universe right there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So it does make sense. And I think the thing is, too, like, Fantastic Four is an older property, and the movies are not exactly classics, So you're not going to get people coming into this book who are like completely unfamiliar with the Fantastic Four. So I think putting Slot on this book with his Spider-Man recognition and then Pacelli, who's also worked on a lot of books with uh, Brian Michael Bendis. So she's pretty recognizable for comic book fans. Um, I think they just know who they're marketing this towards and that's why we did get like some really crazy out there team to do it because they, they know who they're selling this to. And I guess that's good and bad, but they know who they're selling this book to. Um, It'd be different if we were talking about like, yeah, they just had a really successful movie. So now they're going to take a chance and let somebody different on the book, but it is what it is, but it makes sense from like the way Marvel markets their books. It makes sense that it's slot. That makes a lot of sense. I I hadn't thought about that, that they're marketing this probably um, to people more familiar with slot than maybe the Fantastic Four. Um, uh, Cause that does. Yeah. That, that does make, cause I was like, I think I was really holding out for either Sadarsky to get to continue on the Fantastic Four book or for Al Ewing to get to take over. Um, I would have picked both of those people over slot, like slot probably would have been at like top five, I guess. Um, but I think this is probably the book that, that slot is the most qualified is the wrong word. Um, but like probably the most apt to write, I guess probably after Spider-Man, I just hope that like, I always laugh, uh, whenever like I open an amazing Spider-Man issue and it's like plotted by Dan slot written by Chris's gauge. And so with him writing two books at Marvel now, I'm just curious how much of that might, might end up happening. Cause I think like the articles that I've read about like silver surfer and about, 
the Spider-Man stuff, it's like, it's mostly him. That's the hang up and the writing things. It's not the artists that like get super, super, super behind. Um, so like with him writing two monthly books, it'll be interesting, I guess. What's his other book going to be? <laughs> He's on the Iron Man. He's on the Tony Stark Iron Man book. Right. You kept um, saying Pickle Rick, and I, I guess I, <laughs> that always just threw me off. Um, it's okay, okay that you already buried that thought. Like, we don't have to talk. We don't have to think about it anymore. Is, okay. uh... <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, but that's, that is an interesting point. And his, I mean, from what I've read of him, his books tend to be pretty dense and wordy, but in a way that reads easily. So, I don't know. Maybe his writing style, or, yeah, maybe his writing process takes him a while. Yeah, that... And I don't know, but I feel like... Yeah... I don't know. I don't know. Oh, so, no, yeah, like, that's, that's, that's what, like, from the article, like, from the stuff that I've read about him, like, that's that's what I've seen like that. He, he takes a while to write, you know, like to actually sit and actually write all the books and whatever. Like, I think, I think like Mike Allred was talking about, like he had most of the art done for silver surfer. He was just waiting on, um, slot to like finish up the words and everything else. Cause like they had storyteller credit throughout that entire series. Um, yeah. Cause Marvel does their books a little differently. Um, across the board they have like their own system of writing um and making the books the marvels the marvel way and it's like the artist does a lot of the drawing um it's not like across the board but like uh, the artist will do a lot of the drawing and then um the writer will then come in and do a lot of the dialogues after after the fact like the story will be plotted um before the artist actually draws it and then uh, the writer comes in and does a lot of the dialogue after the fact. Yeah, I, I knew they did that back in the day. Yeah. I didn't realize that they was still I, I don't like, think it's I don't think it's across the board because I bought um year a few years ago now I bought uh, Bendis's book about writing comics, and that's like one of the exercises in there is is writing a comic the Marvel way. Yeah. So that's that's probably why I mean the all reds are the all reds, so they're probably getting they're probably getting a storytelling credit anyway, but um that's probably where his whole thing uh, Mike Allred's whole thing saying that the writing was taking a while because uh I'll, they still do that at Marvel. I don't know if it's across the board though, but I know they still do it. Yeah, and I could also see like Dan Slott because of his dense style. Uh, I could see him wanting to really edit his dialogue after he sees the drawings t- to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like I think it'll, I think it'll be interesting. I think again, like I'm, I'm super excited for this, and I'm excited for, I'm excited for what it means, I guess, for Marvel going forward for for having all of these, uh, like, for kind of truly doing i guess what rebirth was for dc like reshuffling the deck in a way that um i think is going to be really sort of beneficial for them going forward um any other thoughts on fantastic four no cool 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 jess nope i'm good all right I'm I'm, i'm gonna read it so i'm i'm excited to see what happens yeah yeah uh, okay, we're well, moving right along. Uh, more fun things been announced. So, 
have either of y'all been reading Donny Cates and Jeff, Shaw, Jeff Shaw's uh, Thanos in Legacy? No. No? <laughs> I read God Country, which was basically the same thing. Pretty much. Um, uh, so I read I read the first few issues of, of their Thanos run. Um, it's been really, really good. A lot of people have really liked it. So they introduced a... Uh, the character, the Cosmic Ghost Rider, is a uh, dead Cosmic Ghost Rider version of Frank Castle um, in the future. And uh, the character is apparently so popular, he's getting a spinoff mini uh, written by Cates and illustrated by Dylan Burnett, um, which is going to start in July. So, yeah. Sounds like a modern day cable. Kind of, a little bit. Yeah, I guess I didn't think about that. Just in terms of how, like, convoluted and steeped in marvel history it is yeah yeah well because like it's it's frank castle and then he like wanted to kill villains better so he became the ghost rider and then like the earth wasn't big enough so then he like became galactus's herald or something (laughs) and then he like died i don't know what the fuck um but it's like fun and stupid and awesome uh and it kind of seems like at this point, like they're letting Donny Cates do whatever he wants. Uh, what do y'all think about about that? He's going to show up later and, and towards the end when we talk some more news things. I'm really glad that Donny Cates is getting all these jobs and then bringing artists he's worked with in the past with him. Like uh, Burnett and Shaw... Uh, he's worked with them on uh, creator-owned books in the past, and they've always uh, the the one that he worked with Burnett on, I think, uh, was the vampire book, and it was like really crazy and insane. I forgot it was called. Was it called Reactor? No, it wasn't called Reactor. Damn, I can't remember the name of it. But there was a book that he did at Heavy Metal with him, and it was like this really awesome, like hardcore vampire thing, and it was full of like bizarre it was it was called reactor it was you're right was it called reactor okay yeah Yeah. and it was really cool um and i'm glad that he's and then with a shot he did uh ghost the he did um it was it was it god country it was god he did god country with shaw was was react was it a heavy metal or was it at vault i guess i'm looking i looked at it it was it was at it was first at Heavy Metal. I think Vault is oh, okay. continuing it or reprinting it because Heavy Metal is kind of a disaster when it comes to actually putting books out. So okay. um, I just really appreciate that he's bringing artists that he's worked with on creator-owned books to Marvel, getting them the, that Marvel paycheck and that recognition. I really appreciate that. Even if it's like books I'm not all that interested in. Like I'm not all that interested in reading Frank Castle as like, Ghost Rider, <laughs> but I appreciate that in space though in, in space. space I'm sorry but, <laughs> but I appreciate that he's bringing uh, artists with him I think that's cool no that's a really good point I didn't I didn't even realize that I, I really appreciate that you don't see that a lot and I'm glad that Marvel kind of sees like yeah no these these guys are really good so yeah it's good I'm I'm glad I'm glad it exists I'm glad people like it it's just like totally not my thing. <laughs> For sure, for sure, Nick. Yeah, same thing here. I, uh, I, the only thing by Donny Cates that I've read, uh, well, I read God Country and then I read his first arc on Doctor Strange. Um, both of them I liked, but I didn't like 
I feel like the comics community went crazy over God Country, and I didn't feel that level of excited by it. So I don't know. Um, I feel like this is another similar thing where like the concept is like, okay, like I guess I could try it out. Like Jess was saying, it's I, I see why people like it. Maybe just not my thing. Sure. Yeah, he's he's really good at like like I'm not I don't dis I mean action is awesome, but like sometimes the the stories don't exactly work for me. But like he's definitely doing Kate's is definitely working on the kind of stuff he's really good at because Ghost Fleet and Reactor, um, he has like a really good sense of humor, and then he's really good at working on big action stuff that a lot of times reads as like just so crazy and it's so it's fun um so he's doing like the kind of stuff he's really good at it's it's different from what he did with god country god country was a little bit more um it was a little bit more dramatic than his previous stuff um so he's definitely doing like the stuff he's really good at he's just getting to do it now with marvel's stuff but it's it's just marvel's like cosmic side has never been like something I've been super invested in aside from like Captain Marvel. So it's like, yeah, it's cool, but eh. And I, I see what you mean by uh, him having like that humorous, crazy wild action uh, side with his Doctor Strange stuff, which I thought was a lot of fun. So I could see him, yeah, doing that same sort of thing on Cosmic Coast Rider. Yeah. Yeah, I felt I felt similarly to how you feel, Nick, reading uh, reading God Country. Um, you know, as a, as a true Texan, I was like, "This is this is all right." Um, oh, never let him hear you say that though, because he's also a true Texan. So. Uh, he lives in fucking he lives in fucking Austin. He's not a anyway. Uh, bullshit, bullshit. One of those Texas things. Are you gonna like compare the different cities? All five of them sound the same to me. I'll fight both of you. Um, no, that's that's yeah. Austin, yeah, don't bring up the difference between uh, South Florida and North Florida, or I will fight you. Okay, well, I don't know anything about North Florida and South Florida or whatever. So, um, all of them have beaches, right? Yes. No. That is correct. Okay. Well, then we're good. Uh, uh yeah. I don't know. Like, God Country was, was all right. Uh, Baby Teeth is really good his one of his aftershock books um i really like it a lot um but yeah so yeah i'm excited that that he's getting to do things at marvel and and i i didn't even realize but the just that's that's really cool too that he's bringing all these people with him um cool moving right along uh matt rosenberg getting getting one new series and one series that he's writing right now is getting relaunched for fresh start so uh rosenberg and excuse me, and Greg Land uh, will be taking over Astonishing X-Men in July from Charles Soule and the uh, one one issue or every issue different artist team that he's been working with. I don't know if Greg Land's going to be on one issue or a lot of issues. It's it's uh, it's unclear at this point. But, uh, but that team's going to consist of Havoc and Beast co-leading with Dazzler, Colossus, and Warpath. And then... Uh, Rosenberg is also going to relaunch Punisher with a new number one, which he's been writing since Legacy started uh, with artist Ricardo Bercelli, who I think did DMZ at Vertigo was like the big thing that he's known for. 
Um, he's not going to be in the War Machine armor anymore. And uh, from that solicit, or like from that that series and like the July solicits uh, about the Tony Stark Iron Man stuff, it kind of feels like Rhodey might be coming back soon or might not actually be dead. He also died in, in Civil War II or whatever. Um, but it makes sense that he would come back since he's going to be in Infinity War and things. Um, y'all have any any thoughts on on either either of those two series? I don't know if you've been reading Punisher or Staunching since Legacy started. Um, Nick? Yeah. Uh, what was the second one? Punish, Punisher and Astonishing oh, X-Men. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, um, I, I combined them into Astonisher, and I was like, that's not right. Um, Astonishing X-Men, I read the first arc. I like uh, how it's been sort of... And I've, I've sort of been checking in on it every now and then. I like how it switches the artists and how um, Charles Soule sort of works with each artist. I like how random the team is. Uh, makes it interesting, makes it fun, makes it... Uh, it exposes me to more characters and lets me learn about them uh, because I'm not super up to date on who everybody is. So that's cool. Uh, no real thoughts on Matt Rosenberg taking over it though. I feel like as long as he keeps doing that same sort of thing, it'll be good. Um, and then zero thoughts on Punisher. Cool. Jess. I just want to know when I will be free from Greg Land drawing X-Men books. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Never, apparently. Apparently. Um, yeah, it's weird. I do not like Greg Land's drawing um, I, drawings. I think he is very good at doing action scenes, but when it comes to like doing character work, it's like all the women look exactly the same because he pretty much traced them all from the same porn star. And then Stormy um, Daniels. Oh my God. Stormy Daniels is going to be Emma Frost. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. I hope he never listens to this and gets the idea in his head. Like never do this. Um, <laughs> um uh, Greg, if you're listening, look, I know you're thinking about it. He's Don't thinking it. about it. He's going to do it. It's going to happen. It's going to be really bad. It's going to be a bad time for everyone. Um, oh. <laughs> um, I, I just, I don't get Greg Land. I, I don't get it. But um, I am, I don't, who's on the team again? Who is the team it, for that? It's Havoc, <laughs> Havoc and Beast co-leading. Okay. With Dazzler, Colossus, and Warpath. Okay, so it's just a different book now. Okay, all right. Yeah. Because yeah. right now, like, Astonishing X-Men is just about how Professor X comes back to life. Right. Um, and, right. like, that storyline is pretty much ending. So now I'm curious what is going to happen with him next. Because he's not in this book then. If he's not on the team, then he's not in this book. Um, so I'm curious as to what happens with him. Um, I don't know if... I don't know what is going to make this book stand out from anything else. I mean, it's kind of cool that it has a, a team of characters that aren't really used a lot. Um, I'm excited for Dazzler being on a team because she's been kind of, she's been nowhere since uh, A-Force ended. So um, I'm excited to see Dazzler back, but I, I just, I, I just, it's, it's really hard for me to get into any book that Greg Land draws. And I like Matthew Rosenberg, but I, this is probably a hard pass for me um, because I just, I can't read. I, I, I did, I love Greg Pak and I could not even read 
like multiple issues of Weapon X. I don't, I, I couldn't, um, because I just don't like Greg Land's art. Um, so that's kind of a hard pass for me, despite being excited that Dazzler is on a team again. Um, Punisher, I, I guess they're finally accepting that the whole War Machine thing did not work out, and that was a very bad idea to begin with. <laughs> um, I am not like the biggest Punisher fan, but we have a couple people who used to, who are part of like the Multiversity Comics like family that are. Um, I don't know anything about Rosenberg's writing on that book, so I don't know what kind of Punisher he writes. Um, but I'd be willing to give that a chance if if it's going back to like actually being a Punisher book, because it's real hard to try to do something different with Punisher um, and it not come off kind of silly. If you're going to do silly, like lean into it completely. And from what I understand, the War Machine thing did not. They just basically put a murderer in a suit, which is not a good idea. <laughs> um, so I'm a little bit more interested in that than I am in, in Astonishing. Sure, sure. I read the first issue of uh, his Punisher run. It was pretty all right. Um, I think I've seen Alice. Alice uh, um, is one of the one former editors at Multiversity. Um, she's talked a little Alice Castle. You could they share a last name. It's fun. Um, you, I think she's praised it a little bit and like, I've seen her tweet back and forth with Rosenberg. Um, from the description of it, it kind of looks like it would be taking a lot of cues and continuing from like him being in the war machine armor and like him, uh, like kind of having had a taste for being able to be like a global vigilante Punisher dude and like trying to still want to do that, even though he just has guns now, um, which I think that could be interesting of like a Punisher who wants to be this global mercenary force, but is unable to and like struggling with that. Um, so that could be maybe interesting. Yeah, I'm really curious though why the astonishing book didn't just get canceled when Soul rolled off it after issue 12. Like it set out to tell the story that it wanted to tell about Professor X coming back. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. You're right, just like where he shows up again from here on out. I kind of have a, a I kind of have a feeling that we're gonna get kind of a re a rebranding of all the X Men stuff um, later this year, probably with like some Kelly Thompson. Tom Taylor take over biz with probably Russell Donnerman on the main book um, as he's rolling off Thor. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I kind of think like this will just be a fill in arc that Rosenberg will get to do before this book gets canceled. And I just think it might've been easier for them to just cancel it after issue 12, unless it was selling really well. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I could, I don't know the numbers, but I could see it selling well only because it, read like it didn't even take place in what was happening with the rest of the X-Men books and it had a lot of characters that like uh, long time and older fans would have enjoyed like it had Mystique, it had Rogue and Gambit together it had uh, w- Old Man Logan who's just basically older Wolverine, same, everything about him is exactly the same um, and then it had like Bishop who's like kind of like X-Men fans of a certain age are super into Bishop so it's like it had a lot of people that I could see it selling well enough but you're right it ended it did what it was supposed to do which was tell how Professor X comes back and it did that and now it should be done sure sure and it had some great art too so like I could see um, like that being a reason to keep it up but then they put Greg Light on it so anyway um 
but yeah, any more thoughts on astonishing or the astonisher or the punisher or whatever? No, no. Okay. Well, so the last, the last uh, few things are sort of rapid fire. Um, we don't have a lot of details about the three of them. We just know that they exist. And I kind of thought we would get more details about them at C2E2 and we really didn't, especially the first one. So we have uh, teases that Marvel's put out in the last, and I guess a solicit for one of, for two of them, for the last two, uh, for minis that are coming out later this year. So we have the first one is Extermination, written by Ed, Br- Ed Breeson and illustrated by Pepe Larraz, who is one of the young guns. He's been on No Surrender. Um, so extermination looks like it's going to be the story of the original five X-Men probably getting exterminated like Dalek style. Um, that's a doctor who deep cut, not really a deep cut, just kind of a, a foundation cut. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you know anything about the, the show, they're the, the, the robots that yell at people. It's like um, it, it cut the first layer of the skin, but you're not bleeding. Yeah. You're not, it's like barely a paper cut. Um, anyway, so that, that mini, I think it's going to be five issues, starts in August. Um, again, don't know any other details about it. We probably won't until it gets solicited, other than it's got a cover of the original five X-Men. And they look, they're in a lot of pain. Um, and the name's kind of ominous. Uh, the second thing is Death of the Inhumans, which also sounds kind of ominous. Uh, written by Donnie Cates, illustrated by Ariel Olivetti, which is starting in July and has been solicited um this last week in marvel's july solicits it's another i think five or six issue mini um probably about the death of the inhumans and they're probably gonna go away for a while or die on the way back to their home planet or whatever um uh the first like issue kind of teased this like black black racer new gods kind of character that's gonna like kill the inhumans or something. Um, I'm excited for it because Donnie Cates is writing it. I'm not the biggest Olivetti fan. Um, I'm actually not an Olivetti fan at all, really. Um, but I can get I can get over that. Uh, I've really liked a lot of the Inhuman stuff um, the past few years, like Royals and everything, the Al Ewing stuff. Um, and then the last thing that we know exists, but we only have the 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 uh, prime issue of it solicited. So. Uh, Apparently Infinity Countdown leads into Infinity Wars, or at least Infinity Wars Prime. We don't know anything else about Infinity Wars. Um, I'm kind of still not convinced that that's like going to be the title of the series. I feel like that's like a cheap thing to like, oh, we got this movie coming out called Infinity War. Let's name a miniseries Infinity Wars. That's clever. Um, but Jerry Duggan, who's been writing Infinity Countdown and Guardians, and Mike Diodata will be on the Prime issue, which is in July. And we don't have any other details about what series are tying into that or if there are other minis that are going to be in that because there are some minis that are coming out uh, alongside Infinity Countdown. Um, so those are those are a lot of different things. Uh, do you have any thoughts on on all of, all of those sort of teasers, these sort of minis? Uh, Nick, we'll, we'll go to you first. Uh, extermination. I liked them, but I guess it's time. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, Inhumans. Never really cared for them. Kill them off. Infinity War. I liked them. It's okay. It's time to go. Goodbye. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. yeah. that's kind of how I feel about all of it. Uh, Infinity Wars. Uh, the title. <laughs> what you were saying. Uh, the sequel to Infinity Gauntlet was called Infinity War. So, if right. they add an S onto it, is it a completely different event? 
Well, they just like Photoshop the S on there and it'll look really <laughs> shoddy. Because um, that'll make me laugh. But They're going to draw it with Microsoft Paint. Yeah, 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 yeah. Using the spray um, paint tool? RIP paint. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, Jess, do you have any thoughts? Um, the, the Inhuman stuff is kind of like, oh well, goodbye. And um, uh, the, ex- the, uh, the X-Men thing, um, I also liked those young kids. And I just feel like no one ever really did anything interesting with them. So it's like, well, I guess they might as well go away too, you know? Um, I, I, I hope, like, I'm hoping that it's not them just getting forced back to their timeline. I, I'm kind of hoping they end up, like, somehow bonding really, with... Really dead. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping murder. that they, like, somehow, like, merge the multiple types, that, the multiple characters that are around. So, like, we get, like, Jean, young Jean, this, this version of young Jean merging with, like, her current counterpart, and, like, she gets her memories and everything, and um, it somehow fixes the timeline or whatever, but... Um, I just I'll miss them. They were they were kind of fun. Um, but just no one really knew what to do with them because X Men Blue is not very good. Um, uh, so hard pass on on the Inhumans dying and whatnot. I don't care. They could just they could just do that. Um, <laughs> uh, Infinity Wars. I don't know. Um, I guess we'll have to see how hype I am after seeing the movie because that'll decide if I want to get invested in anything from the cosmic side of Marvel. If I get excited about that, then it's like, then I'll get bitten by the bug and I'm like, yeah, I want to read something and I'll read that, but we'll see. Yeah. I think your comment at the beginning of, of the episode where you're talking about the, the cosmic Marvel stuff has kind of never been your stick um, is really interesting. Cause it kind of feels like, I think we joked uh, a few episodes ago that like Marvel had said when legacy started, they weren't going to do any big events for 18 months, but they did like an F ton of uh, really small events. And I, I think we all thought that infinity countdown and to infinity war was going to be this huge thing. And it's really not like, it's kind of this sort of like self-contained self-referential, like cosmic shenanigans going on off to the side. Yes. And I kind of like that. Like, I think that's cool. I mean, it's, it's mostly um, just guardians. Yeah. It's yeah, it's uh, it's like Duggan continuing his plans. Yeah. yeah, with like Thanos and people popping up. Um, so I don't know. Like I think that's interesting that like it's Marvel has this sort of like bigish event going on, but it's uh, like really really sort of secluded. Um, but that's like the best of Marvel cosmic stuff, which which I haven't read, but I have heard people talk about sort of fondly the like Dan Abda Andy Lanning sort of area of the era of the Marvel cosmic stuff. Um, was like it's sort of own self-contained thing that you didn't really have to be reading a lot of other titles to sort of get the gist of it and enjoy it. Uh, and that kind of feels a lot like what what this is. So I think I'm interested in Infinity Wars. I've been can, keeping up with Infinity Countdown. The second issue came out like a week or so ago. It wasn't bad. Death of the Inhumans. I I like Kate's and I've liked uh, the I've liked Black Bolt and I've liked Royals. Um, since like resurrection or whatever started uh, just cause Al Ewing and was on Royals and black bolt was amazing. Um, and the extermination stuff. Yeah. I'm with both of you. Like the kids, the kids are all right. Uh, but it's time. So, so yeah. Okay. I think cool. we uh, completely agreed on everything. <laughs> <laughs> I 
think we didn't have any conflict at all and people are going to listen to this and they're going to think we're really boring and we're just going to keep doing that so right and they're right you just wasted 45 minutes of your life you're welcome how how do you feel um yeah you're welcome that's a nicer thing anyway um cool well we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll come back the second part of the episode and talk some wolverine stuff Marveling at the Movies is a new show on the Multiversity Podcast Network in which I, Alexis, and I, Matthew, force our other friend, Matt, hello, to watch every film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as they lead up to the upcoming Avengers Infinity War. You see, our friend Matt, hello, has never read a comic book in his life, nor ever had any interest in watching any of these films until Black Panther came out. And even then I want to note that I just thought Black Panther was cool and really didn't feel like I had to watch any of these other movies. Which is where we came in and decided otherwise for him. Each episode features us interviewing Matt before and after watching each film, gauging his knowledge of the characters, seeing what he thinks will happen, and what characters he starts rooting for or identifying with. And then mercilessly teasing him afterwards with all of the comic book knowledge, Easter eggs, and other random nonsense that we know and can hold over his head. Cool. So join us every weekday this April for a new episode full of cinematic insight. Fun facts. And I'm here also. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And we're back, folks, with the second part of our episode. We're going to be taking a look at The Hunt for Wolverine number one, uh, which is out this week, April 25th. Uh, It's written by Charles Soule. The first part of the issue is illustrated by David Marquez and Rochelle Rosenberg. And the second part of the issue is illustrated by Paolo Siquiera, Walden Wong, and Ruth Redmond. This is the beginning of uh, Logan's return to the Marvel Universe, sort of following um, his resurrection in Marvel Legacy number one last October. He's, you know, kind of popped up here and there. I guess he popped up in Infinity Countdown, uh, which I guess theoretically takes place in a in the future ahead of, of this, um, of this issue, but we'll get into that a little bit. So we talked about this a little bit with the first part of the episode, um, that this kind of feels to me in my mind as it's the beginning of the fresh start stuff in some ways, like this issue kicks off another, um, set of four issue mini series, four, four issue mini series to be written and illustrated by various teams tracking the return of Wolverine, which will come out in the next few months. And then presumably it's all leading to something, probably a new Logan book. Um, and yeah. Uh, but yeah, like Avengers number one is out next week. Uh, Damnation ends this week. The mighty Thor ends this week, which I got done reading that issue before I read this. Oh my God. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. We could spend like, we could spend as much time talking about that probably as we could talking about Wolverine. Um, Oh man, I cried a lot. I want you all to know I cried a lot. Um, I have no shame. Uh, classic Kevin reading comics. Classic Kevin reading classic. comics. Yeah. Hashtag Kevin reading comics. Um, I think I cry every like I think I say I cry every time we record this podcast. I don't know what that says about me. It means you're on brand. Oh, good. Okay, cool. I'm consistent. Um, yeah, that ends this week. Uh, great final issue to uh, Jason Aaron and Russell Donovan's uh, work with Jane Thor. Beautiful ending. Um, 
And No Surrender, the Avengers No Surrender event, the 16 uh, issue weekly event also ends this week. Um, so it kind of really feels like Marvel is putting everything back in the box and then the fresh start will sort of like very cautiously open the box again. Is that, is that a feeling that I just have or do you all, the both of you also feel that as well in some ways? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like I was saying before with the, I mean, just the fact that Avengers is starting and then like you were saying with the, all the titles ending and then the new ones beginning. I mean, with that, you always get a sort of like, if a series is ending, basically pieces are going back in a box. If a series is beginning, new things are coming out. The only time that actually, no, uh, that hasn't really been true for the last few relaunches, but it seems like they're really trying to actually do that this time, like have an actual proper soft relaunch. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it, feel, it definitely feels like they're, like they're closing the book and they're starting a brand new chapter. Cause you're right. Like the last couple relaunches have been that, that dumbass seasonal model thing that they keep talking about and try to make a thing. It's like the big event happens, some new stuff happens that leads into another big event. And then that happens and so on and so forth. And this really feels like there was some little stuff that happened between legacy and now, but like, they're shutting they're shutting the lid on on kind of everything that's come before and trying to create this brand brand new new thing Eh, i mean we'll see it doesn't feel super different for me but i hope it is and i hope this stuff works out but i'm i'm going into it not expecting too much that's fair that's fair i guess i guess new not because it's this is uh like this book Avengers, um, a bunch of other books coming up. Like they're picking up on plot threads from Marvel Legacy number one that went unresolved for the entire eight months that Marvel had that brand thing. Um, so not like new, new stuff, but nothing that came after the Legacy one shot felt like it was a part of the Legacy one shot. And this is finally what feels like the new thing and the new thing that legacy was, was meant to be in some ways. Well, most of the stuff that came after the legacy one shot was really just the end of the stuff that came before. So this is, yeah, this really does feel like that stuff has finally ended. And now we're actually beginning like new stories, which are picking up from other plot plot threads, but they're still beginning at like near the beginning. Sure. 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 Cool. Well, let's go ahead and get into the get into the bulk of the issue. Um, so, Jess, I didn't talk to you about this for this episode, but I'm gonna put you on the spot. Uh, so, Logan died back in 2014. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, it's been a little bit. Uh, okay. It may not have been 14. Um, yes, it was. It was October. Yep. So that's when it started. So it's been a while. Okay. Can you kind of? So he died in. It was Death of Wolverine was the title of the miniseries that it was. It was Charles Soule and Steve McNiven, right? Yes. Um, It was Charles Soule, Steve McNiven, and basically Wolverine, at this point, his healing factor doesn't work. Um, He got a virus. I don't remember how, though. But he got something happened to him where now his healing factor doesn't work. So now when he gets beat up and stuff, he actually needs to take some time and heal. So... Um, he ends up, uh, getting in this huge, this, he ends up finding out there's like a bounty on his head or something. And he ends up getting in this huge fight. And this guy who put the bounty on his head is, is, uh, 
uh, just, I can't remember his name, but he was like a doctor that worked in the, he worked in the Weapon X program. So like the whole miniseries is now Wolverine trying to stop um, this guy from making any more Wolverines. And he ends up stopping a bunch of, he ends up stopping it and he saves a couple of lives. Like he doesn't even save like, you think like, Wolverine's gonna die he's gonna go out in the blaze of glory and like save a thousand people or something he only saves like three or four people but he stops like he stops Weapon X from being a thing anymore and he stops it he stops more people from ending up like him and so he ends up uh, becoming entombed um, by adamantium at least that's what we thought so like that statue that you see like on the covers and things like that that's that's supposed to literally be his body like he's in there <laughs> like he was entombed and that's how he died I gathered that a little bit that's like a little bit creepy that like they would just sort of like oh this it's little real shrine. dark yeah oh yeah it's real dark because like when he dies in the miniseries like you just see like his body like he's covered in it and you like watch it harden and like he just freezes up like that it's so it's so dark (laughs) it's really dark and he basically suffocates and that's supposed to be how he died so as you can see when we'll talk about it like that's not what happened (laughs) yeah no that is that's intense. It's really dark. Yeah, it's really intense. Like, I read it the first time. I was like, wow, this is a... That's one way to kill him, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially since he had no healing factor. It's like, you could have just shot him at that point. But you, de- but you decided to, like... I do like that when he died, it wasn't, like, this big, like, earth-shattering thing. I really like that his death was so personal. Like, it was he died trying to stop more people from ending up like him, which was... I thought that was great. I thought that was really well done. But the whole getting entombed in adamantium and basically suffocating was really dark. Yeah, that's that's intense. But that that is cool that, yeah, that it was more personal and less bombastic than a lot of other comic book deaths that have happened, at least in the Marvel Universe over the last few years. So he's been dead, I guess. He said it started in October. So he's been dead like since the beginning of 2015. Um, so three, three years, Wolverine, three years, this version of Wolverine has been off the table. Um, we've still had an old man, Logan running around. We've had Laura running around as Wolverine, um, had all of Wolverine's lovely children and things doing Wolverine type things. Um, so Wolverine, so Logan has been off the table for three years now. And so Marvel is finally bringing him back here. Uh, which he's already been back sort of in the future, but like, this is the story of how he came back and how we found out about it in Marvel Legacy number one. Um, cool. Well, thank you for that, Jess. Um, cool. So let's go ahead. What are, what were some of your initial thoughts on, on this issue? Uh, Nick, we'll, we'll start with you. So I thought it was, sorry, uh, really quick. My backstory with Wolverine, I've read a few things, like most Marvel stuff, I've yeah read like some major stories. I read um, Old Man Logan. I read some of the Jeff Lemire series. I read like a little bit of All New Wolverine. Um, otherwise, I mostly know him from the movies. Um, so yeah, the issue uh, maybe it was partially because I didn't really have much of an emotional connection to the character, but I felt like it was very uh, sort of workmanlike. 
in terms of the way the story was told. Uh, I felt like it was very clearly editorially driven. Like, here is a plot beat that we need you to hit. Here are the miniseries that you have to set up. And go ahead. And I think Charles Soule does a pretty good job with those sorts of things. Like, I feel like that's not been his niche at Marvel, but he's gotten good at making those things interesting, where they could be a lot more boring. Like, really, all this issue had to do was, again, set up those miniseries and show Logan isn't dead. And he sort of turned it into a story of uh, Kitty Pride realizing that he wasn't dead and showing what the character meant to these characters. Um, I mean, if we're comparing it to like the recent other similar miniseries of an X-Man coming back with Phoenix, I felt like that one was a lot more personal and it was a lot more, uh, I feel like it made a lot more sense, but I still feel like it was good. Like it did what it needed to do. Um, it, I didn't have any particular personal connection with it. Um, and I feel like the story doesn't hold up too much when you're not looking at it in terms of kicking off this event with the other miniseries. Sure. Sure. And I, and I, uh, I, I agree with you uh, for a lot of that. I don't have that background with Wolverine either. And I guess I'm, I, I don't, I'm, I'm wondering if it would have been more personal or would have felt more personal, more impactful had I, uh, been more in tuned or been more knowledgeable about the relationship that Logan has with Kitty. Um, because I don't know very much about that. And Jess, I don't know if you would be able to, um, to elucidate some of that or whatever. Um, um, Wolverine was always kind of in, he was always kind of close to like, uh, rogue and Kitty. Um, he was a mentor towards them. Like it was never like weird and creepy. It was always just more like he was like the grumpy uncle that they could turn to. And he kind of helped them learn like how to be an X-Man, um, for good and bad. He, he, he was close with both of them. Um, and that's just kind of where that comes from. She, she, he's, he's the grumpy uncle. That's what he is. That also stabs people a lot. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's really where that really, everybody's got, one, everyone's you know, got, yeah. I mean, I've got like five, no. Um, uh, so that's really where that comes from. Like he has just been, he was always such a force at the school and especially in Kitty Pride's history. Um, since she's a character that kind of aged up when nobody else did, <laughs> um, she, we've kind of seen her, uh, grow up and become a leader in her own right. And so people like Wolverine and uh, Jean Grey and Storm and even Cyclops, they play into her backstory a lot. They, they're they people she looked up to. Um, so that's kind of where that comes from. And it's similar with Rogue. Like, he's close with Rogue, but the movies played up on that a little bit more than the comic book did. But he's, he's, close, with some, he's close with the handful of the younger people. Um, only because he was such a presence at the at the academy. Okay, okay, that's really helpful. Yeah, I I guess I had it in my head because um, most of my X Men knowledge comes from the handful of miniseries that I've had read here and there, and then a lot of the the Ots movies. Um, and him and Rogue are very close in those movies. I don't think he's as close with with Kitty um, in those. Um, but yeah, so so thank you. Just what were your some of your like initial reactions or whatever to uh to the issue? Um I thought the the first part of it uh 
was really, really interesting. Um, I do agree. I think that uh, for any of this to really hit home, like I think um, not speaking quality wise, but just the emotional connection to the story, I do think it would work better if, if you um, maybe not so much liked Wolverine as much, but felt like a connection to like anything that any any of the older x-men stuff or even if you had read like death of wolverine because it all like this this first part of the comic really builds off of like so much of that stuff like it even brings in the the conversation with mr fantastic because he was somebody that was trying to help him um that didn't come out of nowhere either that was mentioned like in death of wolverine and some of the stuff that led up to that that uh mr fantastic was trying to get his healing uh factor back um so it it built on a lot of that stuff and um i think like quality wise it was fine but i i do agree i think you i think to have that emotional connection to it you needed to have all that backstory and feel something for those characters um I don't feel one way or another about Wolverine because um, a lot of the time for me, it depends on who's handling the character. Um, so I guess I don't know. I don't really have an opinion either way on him, um, but I wish he had stayed dead a little longer um, only because I, I kind of hate death being so temporary in uh, superhero comics. Like it's, it's a little annoying. It's like, his death was really good and it would have been nice if it stuck or, um, or at least lasted a little longer. And it would have been nicer if, um, they didn't immediately bring old man Logan into everything. Like that would have been great. Cause I feel like you never got a chance to actually miss the character. So that's how I feel about it. <laughs> well, also, yeah, that makes, Oh, go ahead. Uh, on the topic of just hero resurrections, like everybody's gotten to a point where when a character's gone, you expect them to come back. It's just a thing now. Uh, but, I mean, the rate at which this is happening, like, Professor X just came back a few months ago, <laughs> uh, or, like, eight months ago. Within the six months that this podcast has existed, we are now on our second miniseries about an X-Man being resurrected. So it's just, it's like, yeah, this but is going to happen. X, Professor, X and, Professor X and Gene were dead for, like, over a decade, weren't they? Uh, or no, Professor X died in Avengers. Yeah, Avengers Professor, Batman, yeah he? and he's been gone. Like he, it's like, it's like when Cyclops died. Like you didn't, you still had young Cyclops running around, but because they were so different, it didn't feel like Cyclops was around. Old Man Logan is basically Wolverine. Like he's basically the same guy, though. At least the way that they've had him exist now in the Marvel universe, they're the same guy. Yeah, Nick, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, that's uh, that's cool. Um, what was I saying? You were saying words. We um, uh, <laughs> you, were, you were talking about in the eight months or oh. whatever that we've had this podcast, we've had two X-Men resurrection things or three. Or yeah, whatever. so these characters, uh, it's like, you know that the thing is going to happen and Marvel is going to try and make an event out of like a bunch of them. And it's like, okay, this thing is going to happen. Who's going to write it? And that's where I feel like it becomes especially editorially driven because it's like, there's no real reason for the story to happen other than, like, we want the character back. So I feel like that's part of where my, I guess, indifference to this specific issue comes from. Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. 
Um, yeah, I think uh, I think for me, Jess's point that you know we've had old man Logan tromping around. Um, that's more frustrating than than actual present day Logan coming back because I think in comic book time uh, in this era, three years is a long time uh, for a character to stay dead. Um, and we'll like we'll get into this uh, in, in a few minutes probably, but like like Tony Stark died or whatever at the end of Civil War two, and he's coming back now like in like less than a well a little like a little over no less than a year um he'll be back so like stuff uh like stuff like that where these characters haven't been dead for very long and they're they're making comebacks and i think marvel is more uh egregious in doing things like that than um than dc has been recently although uh like because they dc's had a, a number of characters that have sort of been off the table the last few years and haven't really come back um yeah, I would echo a little bit about what both of you were saying. I, I definitely see a lot of this as very sort of like editorially driven of like, okay, we're bringing, we're bringing Logan back. So we're going to get the band back together and Charles Soule's going to write it because he killed him. And, you know, Charles, here's all the things that we want you to talk about. Here's some shit. And then Logan comes back and it's this whole big mystery about what's going to happen from, from then on out because we have to set up these mini series. Um, I definitely think that the first part of the issue is a lot stronger than the second part of the issue. Um, and we can get into a little bit of that. So do you have any thoughts on, on, on David Marquez and on uh, Paulo Sicaria's art uh, in the issue? So Marquez did the first half and Sicario uh, did the second half. Um, um, I'm okay. Um, I always really liked David Marquez's work, so I really liked his stuff here. Um, I He was doing uh, All New Wolverine for a little while, and so I really like him working in the X-Men universe. I'd like to see him do a little bit more, because he's very good at what he does. He's very good at character work, and he's great at action stuff, and so I, I liked his work. And I, I like I the art on the book as a, on the whole. I, didn't, I wasn't a fan of... I have opinions about the later half of the book, but the art was good. Cool. Cool. Nick. Yeah. And then I guess, yeah, I feel like this every time that we discuss a big book, I feel like Marvel puts someone who sort of has like a house style on the book. And that's how I feel about David Marquez's art. Um, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, he does well with the stuff that he's doing. But I feel like the only time when we've talked about a big book um, that I didn't feel that way was with Aaron Cooter's art on uh, <laughs> Guardians. Um, no, on Infinity Countdown. But that was because it was literally a Guardians issue that they retitled. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have much of an opinion on that. Uh, Paolo Sequeira's art is interesting i like it um yeah again i don't i don't have much of a an opinion on that i know him from like 10 years ago he did a black canary miniseries so it's interesting to see how his style is developed um i always liked how he draws environments and the way that people like they really feel like they fit within their environment um and i think you can see that in a few pages on here um yeah otherwise not much to say Cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, 
I like I love David Marquez. Um, uh, like I think all he was on and he was on Invincible. He was on Ultimate Spider Man. He was on Ultimate Spider Man stuff, and then he did Invincible Iron Man with the the first Marvel now relaunch, and then he was on Civil War two. Um, and I like I I love I love his style. I was actually it was really interesting though because I was reading this issue and the colors looked a lot more muted than usual. And like the line work seemed, I guess a lot less um, like stark or sort of um, like crisp than like, <laughs> I was thinking uh, like about his work on civil war two. And, and this, this seems different than that. And I looked uh, and it's a different, it's a different colorist who's coloring him here on civil war two. He was colored by Justin Ponser. And on this one, he's, he's colored by Rochelle Rosenberg. So I guess he inks himself. So, uh, what? So this issue was a lot more stark, but that one had a lot more stark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one was yeah. about stark. This one had stark, unnecessary starkness or less starkness okay. needed less stark. Just wanted to make that make that clear. That Next. was good. That was a good. One. I didn't even catch that. So, um, yeah. So I just it was it was just interesting. Like I, uh, I guess, and I guess he, you know, I guess he inks himself, or I guess he, you know, he does it all digitally because this definitely looks like it's it's done digitally. Um, it just like it just felt a lot. It was a lot more like muddy than I remember him being. Um, and it's not saying it's bad. Like it's still it's a, still a beautiful looking issue. It's just different. Um, I don't know if I like it as much as I liked his work on Civil War too. Uh, as for Sicaria, uh, C Sicaria. I'm gonna say Sicaria. I'm gonna go with that. Uh, I've said it so <laughs> many Portuguese. times. I'm gonna go with that. It's Portuguese. That's yeah. It's like if I just say it's if I say it like I'm speaking Spanish, then it'll sound right. Oh, see, that's a, a problem. It is. It is. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I have a number of friends who are Portuguese and I always, or they're Brazilian, and I always like pronounce like Portuguese words as if they're in Spanish, and they're like, that's completely wrong. <laughs> oh, well. Can't win them all. Um, okay, Paulo Sicaria. Uh, yeah, his, I've, he was on A Force uh, briefly before like that book got canceled and he was on some stuff at DC and he's been on some other stuff at Marvel. His, I, and I guess I don't remember his style being like, like it is in this issue either then. Like I, I looked at, I was reading the first couple pages of this and I thought, uh, that like Bilquis Evely was doing the art on this book instead of Palace Sicaria. Like she's, she did some work uh, on wonder woman and stuff. Like it looked, it looks a lot, uh, it just looks different. Like his, his faces looked like, I remember him being more, um, more like, uh, a Marquez or more like a, like a Mark Bagley kind of artist. And like, this seems a lot different. It's, it's, I like it. I liked it a lot more than, um, than I thought it was going to. Cause I, I, I've seen, you know, I've, I like the things that he does. And, and this, this feels like a, a difference. Like he's trying out something new, something different than, um, what he's done on other Marvel books. And I think it really works here. So I think, uh, I think art wise, I think, uh, Sicaria might, might win this one over, over Marquez in my, in my head, but, but that's me. Um, yeah. So more things about this book. Um, well, can we talk about Stark? Let's, <laughs> let's talk about Stark. Um, let's do that. Why is Tony Stark alive here? 
Yeah, when did he become Not in like an I want him to die. Like I thought I thought he I thought he bad. was dead. Like I thought he was like a AI or something. He was never dead to me. <laughs> like no, like I, I yeah. I told you guys before, but for the audience, I literally didn't even know he was supposed to be dead. <laughs> the real the real Tony Stark was the one that was inside of us the whole time. True. Um ooh, that True. was bad. uh, uh <laughs> gross um yeah so he died and was in his weird like techno coma or not like dead dead but like dead enough at the end of civil war two um so that was like mid 20 i guess like beginning of 2017 or whatever and then riri williams took over for him uh and he's still like not back yet i think in that book like the whole the whole legacy run of invincible iron man of business's run on invincible iron man is like merging the the Riri and Doom stuff together and bringing Tony back so that Dan Slott can write him uh, come June. But he's not alive, and he definitely wasn't alive where when this issue takes place because the last page of this issue is Jean Grey looking at the statue of Logan that's split open for Marvel Legacy number one. And he was dead in that issue, um, because Rhea Williams ran around at the beginning of, or in that issue, in like the main portion that uh, Saad Ribic and Jason Aaron did, because uh, she was uh, fighting at that shield facility with uh, with Jane Thor and with Falcon, or with or with Captain America with with Sam. Um, so it doesn't make sense that he's alive. Are you saying that a Marvel comic book? is not matching up continuity. Are you saying there are issues in the continuity? Because that is absolutely shocking to me. <laughs> you know, it sounds like we're going to need another <laughs> event to fix this. We're, I, I, we look, should, we're going to need it because apparently we've got like multiple versions of Iron Man running around and we can't agree on who's alive and who's dead. So we need Civil War 3 to figure this out. Or Secret Wars... Uh, Let's just call it Secret Wars 8, because I'm sure there have been seven so far. Secret Wars 8, Age of Tony Stark. (laughs) Secret Wars AI. Ooh, that's Um, good. Secret Wars Wars 3, The House of Stark. 8.0 AI. A point. Oh yeah, yeah. And they could have they could have a bunch of uh, a bunch of like tie-in issues that like have the like dot AI on them instead of the like you know like actual real numbering like Marvel's prone to do because um, that's not pretentious at all. Um, yeah, I I want to have somebody's job over this. Con- no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I was watching it. Uh, I just like it. It doesn't. It doesn't bother me in the sense that I'm like a continuity like fan junkie, and everything has to be like perfectly perfect, or I'm going to be really pissed off. But I think if they'd have flipped the way that um, parts of the second part of the issue were structured, and it had like the the Jean Grey thing at the beginning of part two, it would have made a lot more sense because then you could have said like, oh the like them going to find Wolverine thing or like figure out where Wolverine stuff is takes place in present day time. And now it doesn't look like it takes place in present day time. Cause it looks like it takes place in the past. And now they're going on this trip to find Wolverine. And it's like, but in the present you already found him or I don't know. So it's really, I think I'm they really confused. Find him? Or I, I haven't, been looking at the post-credit scenes that Wolverine has been showing up in in books. Have you guys seen those? 
Oh yeah, the yeah, they're a the, bunch of hot bullshit. Post credit um, scene in a comic book, yeah. <laughs> It's called an epilogue, they don't do anything. guys. Like, it's I mean, just... come on. This is not a movie. Oh. <laughs> uh, there's just, like, a bunch of pages of, like, him showing up in places that people were in the comic earlier in the issue. And it's like, oh, I just missed him. That's unfortunate. Miss, missed him by that much. <laughs> by that much. It's like Pandora in the first issue of uh, every New 52 book. Oh my god! Pretty much. Never bring up Pandora. <laughs> 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 oh man, remember they just like straight uh, up murdered her and rebirthed her. Like, yeah, she's done now. We're done with that. Goodbye, everyone. She got straight up Rorschacht, but then he came back. <laughs> it's like uh, uh, it's like that movie La Misma Luna, or or sorry, rather like in Scooby Doo when they would like constantly be going <laughs> in and out of the doors. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I oh can't wait God. for it to be revealed that Pandora is actually responsible for all of it, all of Rebirth. That's her ultimate revenge. <laughs> like, somehow she's Dr. Manhattan. And she's, yeah, she's, she's Dr. Dr. Manhattan. Manhattan. She did all of it. Oh, that would be, yeah. that would be hilarious. Yeah, and then he, he, like, murdered her in the future because he was mad about what he became. And so... <laughs> You know, that's yeah. a new event right there. Yeah, I was gonna say that. DC hire us. Yeah. Oh, DC won't listen to this podcast. We fell down a hole. We 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 fi- we're fixing continuity problems. That's what <laughs> that's what our job is. Um, yeah, you're right. We're trying to help everyone else out of the hole. We're we're trying. I'm trying to look for an escape from the pit for all of us. Um, escape from the secret drop spot. Can, exactly. can, can we talk about though how? The Hunt for Wolverine is like four different miniseries, though. Like, what is that? Do we really need yeah. four different books to find out where Wolverine, where Wolverine is? And do we really need this many different characters fight, looking for him? Like, why is this a line-wide thing? Why is this not just an X-Men thing? You, you Jess, would... I don't know if you know this, but Wolverine's a big fucking deal. Oh, well, um... yeah. I mean, three ninety nine an issue. <laughs> Over <laughs> over four four different series, um, yeah, no, that's a totally reasonable thing to ask of people. <laughs> but if you wait till September, the trades will be ninety nine cents on Comicsology. So. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. No one buy comics ever again. You could just get them for a dollar. <laughs> if I'm being completely honest here, that's kind of every time that I see a new series pop up, and I'm like, oh, that's exciting. I'll wait for the trade when it's 99 cents. I literally have thought that multiple oh, times already. Oh, man, Marvel's ruining their own line. <laughs> <laughs> it was, okay, so come back to CG YouTube stuff. It was interesting because somebody asked Sabolsky about that, and he was like, we're working on it. That's an Amazon comicsology thing. That's not an us thing, and we're going to try to rectify that. Is it? Is it really? I think you can lie to a bunch of nerd boys and say that it is, but... Um, I don't know if it is or not. I just don't understand why they would do that, or like how they would be able to without Marvel's permission. Yeah, I guess I I don't know how the like the agreement or whatever works with Comicsology because they have like some exclusive content on Comicsology, so I imagine that they have some sort of excuse me, some sort of like weird agreement with them that they can just kind of do whatever they will with all of their properties and things. Cause they put other stuff on sale. That's not just, I don't know. 
But, I think what's what's interesting though is that they never even tell you this is on sale. So like it really leads it really leads you to believe the speculation that Marvel is actually struggling, and the only reason that they do this is to boost up their own numbers and say they sold more than they actually did because they count the digital numbers in some way, shape, or form. We just don't know how, but at least now they can say, well, yeah, these people bought like thousands and thousands of dollar trades. So look how much money we made. <laughs> we're off on sort of a sure. tangent right now, but Jess, you weren't on that conversation that Kevin and I had. Did you have any thoughts about this? The dollar trades? Yeah, that whole thing and how digital sort of works with Marvel's like overall sales. I mean, I think it's silly to, I mean, the only reason that they don't, at least to me, the only reason that they none of these publishers want to talk about digital numbers as much as they should is because of the way that the market is set up. If they, if we all knew, like common knowledge, that digital was making that digital comics were selling better, that and that counts trades were selling better than like what the local comic shops were doing, it would be it would suck for the local comic shop. So I don't think they want us to have that knowledge. I think they want us to keep thinking that. The only way to buy comics is to go to a specialty store that is so special that not everyone can even get to one, if that makes any sense. Like, I don't think they want us to know how important digital plays into anything. Because if you look at music, I mean, right now vinyl has has come back and like people are buying physical music. But for a while there, like, no, who buys CDs? Who buys a CD? Like no one buys a CD. It's all streaming. It's all, it's all digital. It's let me get this song for a dollar on my phone and listen to it immediately. So I just don't think they want us to know how important digital is because it doesn't help the local comic shops. And since Diamond has a monopoly on that, it would mess up the perception of Diamond, if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. I disagree a little bit in terms of like just the experience of reading on paper is different from the experience of reading on the screen. And you don't really have that difference when you're talking about music. Uh, so music, uh, except for vinyl, that's its own thing, but digitally downloading something versus down, like having a CD, you're getting the same file either way, you know, but otherwise, yeah. Yeah. You make some good points. Yeah. It's, it's all really, it's all really interesting. And I like, I guess as like as somebody who pays for Marvel Unlimited too, it feels kind of crappy to for people to be able to purchase traits for ninety nine cents probably before they even come out on Marvel Unlimited. Also, like that that just seems like an interesting thing. I don't know. I guess. You- oh yeah, oh yeah. No, for sure. That is a really weird part of it to me. It's like I just went. It's like if I just went out and put this book on my pull list and bought it every month, and now all of a sudden it's a dollar and it's like a book that came out like within the six months that I bought those single issues. I'm, I'm going to be salty. <laughs> Cause I, for me, it does, it depends on who you are, I guess. Cause like for me, it doesn't matter if I'm reading it physically or digitally. I don't care. Um, I used to be more print than digital, but now, at this point I don't care. I'll, I'll read it either way, but I'll read it in the way that makes more sense for me financially. So if they're going to keep doing this, then it's it's going to deter me from buying some books. Sure, sure, sure. Um, cool. Well, let's let's steer back to to Wolverine. Jesse had asked. Um, we got off on this talking about the the four different minis that are coming out after this. Um, yeah, 
I, so Nick, are you, what do you think about the story now? Like, would you follow the rest of the story to these, to these four minis? I think it would have been better if they were just subplots within the main series. Um, but I mean, as it stands, honestly, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm not interested enough. I mean, I like all of the writers well enough. I don't have much experience with Jim Zub, but I do like Tom Taylor, Charles Soule, Charles Mark Tomaki. I'm sure they can all do something interesting, but none of the stories grab me enough. Like, oh, who is that team on uh, Iron Man? I think it's Luke Cage and Jessica Jones and Spider-Man. Yeah. Who, what is their significance? That was, uh, they were the the team at the beginning of Bendis' new Avengers run when he relaunched it in 2004. And it was oh. it was Tony Cap, uh, Luke Cage, our, uh, uh, Spider-Man, and Wolverine. And I think Jessica Jones was was there because because her and Luke are married. Yeah, she was like barely there. I mean, she she was there because they were married and they had a kid, and she lived in the house. Yeah, she lived in she lived in, <laughs> in Stark Tower, or whatever, because they operated on a Stark Tower. Oh, yeah. Spider Spider yeah. Woman was on that team too. Yeah, she was on that yeah. team. Yeah. That's like that's a, that's as deep as my Marvel continuity history goes because I read all the Bendis. <laughs> stuff. I, I, like, like I like the idea that like they have to find his body because if they believe he's dead and they can't find his body, I like the idea that like yeah, it would be real easy for somebody to make clones and abuse what was done to him and use it for evil, and I like that. But I don't think we need four miniseries to address that. Yeah. Oh, but I just realized it's. Tom Taylor and R.B. Silva. I really like R.B. Silva's art, so I might actually check that book out. I think out of all of them, that's that's the one that I would be the most apt to pick up, just because I love Tom Taylor, um, and I like that like group of people that's going to go on that adventure together. I wish that they because they announced these originally that they were just going to be one shots following the Hunt for Wolverine thing, and I really wish that they'd have stuck with that because um, I think you know for one shots, even at four ninety nine is better and i would think about picking that up rather than four four issue miniseries that three like that's that's um that's like that's the 64 dollars um and i'm not gonna do that for logan coming back i'll read no, these not at all. yeah if yeah. i can get them i because of mutant versity if i can get them as review copies i will absolutely read them that way i will write about them but I will not tell anybody to spend the money on four miniseries to find out that Wolverine's alive and he's somewhere. When when he comes back, it will absolutely be recapped for you in whatever series he ends up in. Yeah, and, and that's all. Sorry, go ahead, Kevin. I, I was just saying, like, and the truth of the matter is that he's already back because he was doing Infinity Countdown things. But go ahead, Nick. Um, and that also, everything that you're both saying is sort of ties into... Again, the whole, it's editorially mandated, and that also makes it less urgent. It makes it uh, less interesting. <laughs> like, I have no reason to be invested in the story, I feel. I have no reason to not wait. You know, like, not wait for when the trade is 99 cents. Yeah, yeah. Well, and like like we were talking about a second ago, like, I really, I really did enjoy... Um, like the first part of this issue with, um, you know, like they're fighting 
the reeve like i don't really know who the reavers are but they're fighting them and like that's cool and like there's this weird sort of conspiracy that like kitty stole wolverine's body out of the adamantium thing and they buried him like that's much less creepy than them leaving him in a you know sort of weird suffocated coma body thing um that's cool uh and then like you know at the end of the issue where like he's alive and he's like going stabby stab on somebody that we don't really know who it is and like somebody tells him that's enough like there's a mystery there that like somebody's you know like kind of controlling him or something and like they got to go find him. That's intriguing. It's a good, it is. It's a good mystery. I just don't think it needs four miniseries. <laughs> yeah. And like, if they just tell me which one of these I needed to pick up in order to know like who the person was that like captured Wolverine, I would do that. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I think you're right. Like, I think to split this narrative up into four, four different series, instead of like having this be like the beginning of a miniseries and then, like, like similarly, Nick, you brought up, you know, Phoenix Resurrection earlier. Like, if this would have been the first, like, the first issue of Wolverine Resurrection, you know, or like, the hunt for Wolverine, and then, like, that took place over the course of, you know, like, four other issues after this, I would totally read that. Like, and I would buy that. Like, that would be, that would be so awesome. Like, I think that would, and, like, they could, e- they could even have done all of the the stuff that they're doing with all these different teams and trying to tell all these different stories. Like you could have followed all these different teams um, as they like try to go find Wolverine and like these different weird sporadic places. Cause that was kind of what Phoenix resurrection was in some ways. Um, I don't know. I also, um, this is sort of on a different note. Um, I read both this issue today and I read, uh, cause I was trying to catch up the first issue of Donny Cates's Dr. Strange damnation today. Uh, and I read them one right after the other. These two issues are structured the exact same way. Uh, the, there is a, a first story that sort of shows, like, here's the basic concept, here's, like, the stuff we're going to be working with. And then in both of them, there is, like, a 10-page backup story where a character related to the character who is, like, in trouble uh, phases through a wall to find a uh, person who is also related to the other, like, the person in question. Uh, And that person puts out a call to more people to come help. And then that leads into the further stories that spin out of it. It's there the exact same structure. Wow, I didn't even realize that until just now. You're totally right. Um, Damn. Yeah, that's, that's interesting that, like, as... Marvel is sort of putting all the puzzle pieces back that they're kind of telling. They're kind of telling the same story over and over again, you know, like because Phoenix Resurrection with all of its, you know, weird uh, sort of like Twin Peaky, whatever stuff like was still, you know, a story about Jean Grey coming back and was a story about the X-Men trying to find her and figuring out where she is. And that's that's kind of what this is going to be and like. And, you know, Doctor Strange's animation is not necessarily that, you know, it's like it's a story about strength, but it's a story about Strange trying to bring Vegas back. I don't know. It's it is interesting. I didn't I didn't catch that that these were structured similarly until until you mentioned that. Yeah, and it's the actual story itself, like the overall concept is different, but the way that they're going about it is the same. No, you're you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, cool. Well, we talked about we talked about this issue a lot. Uh, we get the four minis coming after this. Uh, they Marvel released that like infographic that's like. You got the hunt for you got Marvel Legacy, and then you got Infinity Countdown, and then you got the hunt for Wolverine, and that leads to 
all these solo series or all these mini series. And then it comes back uh, into something else that this is leading to. And I guess I'm, I'm curious what the thing uh, that this is all leading to is. And I'm assuming that it's a, it's another Wolverine uh, solo series. Um, But if that's the case, then who do we think is doing the, the writing and the, the illustrating on that, on that book? Do you have any thoughts? Mm, Charles Soule, Jeff Lemire. Uh, I'm just thinking of people who have handled Wolverine in the past, or will they choose someone completely new? Yeah, I guess that's my that's my question. Like, I could definitely see Charles Soule signing on to to write that solo book. Um, I was trying to think what Russell Dodderman would be doing after Thor, because he's said multiple times he's working on something that would be announced really, really soon. Uh, I don't... Oh, I, I would be kind of bummed if he did Wolverine, though, because I feel like I feel like he's so good, and, and Thor asked for so much. Like, he got to really play up with fantasy elements and magic and 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 all that great Norse mythology. And it's like, if he came back down to Earth and just did Wolverine, I don't know. I mean, it would look nice, but I, I feel like that would be kind of like, kind of a waste of him, just because of all the stuff he can do. Yeah, yeah. And I had that thought as well. Um, that this would be a lot more grounded version of Russell Donnerman than we're used to. And I think somebody said this, it might've been one of us. It might've been somebody else that I read online, but like Russell Donnerman, like his art style is like very effeminate. Um, and that's not a bad thing. Like, uh, like it's very beautiful, but like he draws, like the way that he draws, um, characters and the way that he draws, like, like he doesn't draw like big burly men in the way that a lot of men do. And like all of his, like all the, and a lot of the like colors and things like are, you know, are the other people he works with, like, you know, like Matt Wilson and all them. Um, but like the, just like the way that he, I guess, structures things um, and the sort of like the panel layouts and they're sort of very not um, like, not grid. Like, like it, it is sort of more feminine, the effeminate than a lot of other, I guess, male artists, um, which, and I don't think that that matches up to a Wolverine book. Um, on the flip side of that, I think the thing that he was doing before Thor was Nightwing in the New 52, um, which was a grounded book. So theoretically, like he's done that. He could do that. He could go back to that. Um, but I, I, I'm with you, Jess. Like, I think it would kind of be a waste if he was doing a Wolverine book. Um, I think he'll end up on whatever big X-Men relaunch book thing is coming. Uh, but I would love to see somebody like like Marquez continue on a Wolverine book, or or like Sicaria, uh, Sicaria, or like you know somebody like like them in this issue. Um, like I think both of them would do really well, uh, and I think Soul would be a great writer, or or you know like a um, like a Tom Taylor or somebody like that who. Uh, it's kind of going to be the up and coming next, next big people for Marvel. I guess like, I feel like soul's been there for a while now. He's kind of like made his little niche. And um, I feel like he, I also feel like he wants to do other things besides write for Marvel. Like, you know, you said yeah. a novel come out. And- I was gonna say, I, it's going to be somebody that is as far as the writers, it's going to be somebody that is already working for Marvel in a big way. And I'm actually thinking it might be Rosenberg only because hit the, the, uh, 
the Madrox uh, mini ser- is a mini series. That's a mini series, and then Astonishing X Men. I don't think that's going to go very long. Um, he's doing Exiles, and so he's been like kind of hanging out in the periphery of everything. And like, no, Sal- Saladin on Ahmed is doing Exiles. Oh, he is. Really. Okay, yeah. Uh, what is the one that Rosenberg is doing? Is it New Mutants? It's New Mutants. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. And Punisher. So he's kind of hanging out in the X-Men periphery, because, like, Astonishing X-Men is not the flagship title. The The flagship titles are blue and gold. So he's kind of hanging out in the side, doing, like, his thing with, like, lesser, like, with smaller characters. So, like, I could see him getting it. Like, all these other things he's done, including Phoenix, have been, like, his tryout to writing Wolverine because if you write a Wolverine book like people are buying that like that's it's Wolverine you know not X-23 it's not Laura it's like actual the Wolverine that people know so I feel like if if it's going to be somebody it's going to be him or it's going to be Soul um, I don't know if Lemire would go back to, to doing X-Men because like that kind of book because he did and it wasn't that good <laughs> yeah yeah, I don't think he. Well, because yeah, he all he did Old Man Logan, but like his time on Extraordinary X Men, I don't. I think he's like an interview said he didn't really enjoy that very much. Um, Rosenberg is a really good guess. I think it's very much in his wheelhouse. It's the type of tone of the book that he would write, and mm-hmm. he is Marvel exclusive, so he needs to be on something else. Yeah. 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 Well, but and, and I guess the only thing that would keep me from from thinking that he would be one of the prime candidates is that he's not on one of these miniseries. Uh, like it's, you know, because it's it's Taylor Soul, uh, Mark Atomicky, who's doing X-23 now, so I don't think it's going to be her. And Jim Zub, which might, maybe could be Jim Zub, I guess. I don't know. Um, but I think out of, I think out of all those, like, I think... Soul and Taylor would be the people that I would think probably would be doing it. Um, but Rose, I think Rosenberg is really, I guess I think he would, I think he could write a great Wolverine. Well, three of, yeah, for the miniseries, like soul makes sense because he's been, he wrote the death of Wolverine. He's writing this. Uh, Taylor makes sense on a miniseries because he just finished all new world Wolverine Tamaki because of X 23, like you said. And then yeah, Jim's up is the only outlier, but then again, he could just be on it, you know, because he, he's been doing a lot for Marvel. Yeah, I think he, is he exclusive at Marvel? I think he might be. Um, he, but he might as well be. I think he is. Um, okay. I don't remember where, but he, it might have been one of his blog posts. He says something about he's probably never working at DC. I don't know why, um, but it was in a blog post. It wasn't recent. It was a couple years ago. So I think he is like a Marvel exclusive guy right now. Okay, because he's he just wrapped the no surrender stuff, which is like a you know kind of that was like a kind of high profile gig. Um, and he's in Champions. He was doing Uncanny. Uh, I guess this is the other thing that he's. I don't think he's doing a whole. Lot. I don't think he's doing anything else. Like I guess after this, like Champions is the only big book that he has. Like Wolverine would be a big book for him. Like Soul. Soul and Taylor already sort of have big books. Like they got Daredevil and they got X-Men Red. So um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Um, Well, cool. Any more thoughts on the hunt for Wolverine? Nope. No. Nope. 
He's being hunted, and we're gonna find him. <laughs> we're gonna find him. He's I'm, back. I'm gonna again. find him. I got this, guys. We don't need four mini. We don't need four mini series. I'll find him. That sneaky bastard Wolverine. We're gonna <laughs> find, find him. him. Yep. <laughs> that's all you need. Cool. Cool. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. Uh, thank you both for being on here. Um, where can our listeners find you on the larger interwebs, uh, Jess? Uh, you can follow me um, on Twitter at JessCamNJ. Um, I'm also a writer on Multiversity and at Geeked Out Nation. Cool. Nick? And I'm on Twitter at NPalmeriWrites. The, the one about writing, not the one about civil liberties. Exactly. Yep. I write things. I don't fight for things. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> or it's not about like. I'm. I'm. Not, I don't know. <laughs> I, I could go forward with a joke, but it's like it's past that time where my brain is like jokes. Sure. You know? Sure. Sure. Cool. Um, well, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at kbgregory13. You can also find me at multiversitycomics.com. I had a number of interviews that uh, I did over the course of C2E2, so you should check those out. Um, and yeah, so we'll be back, uh, hopefully next week with a sort of shorter episode, uh, review think piece about Avengers infinity war, which comes out this Friday. Uh, please subscribe if you're on an Apple podcast and check out uh, a number of the other podcasts on multiversitycomics.com. Uh, thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.